Oh yeah, today is a special edition of the CXM Experience, and I am your host, uh, CXO at Sprinkler, Brad Kahn. And today, uh, we're actually going to be doing a replay of a fantastic interview that was done by Marshall Kirkpatrick. And Marshall leads the evangelism and analyst team at Sprinkler. Marshall runs a fantastic video cast called Coffee Club. And uh, Coffee Club, you can find on uh, Sprinkler's site. You can also find it on YouTube and other places or just, you know, do a quick search on Marshall's name, Marshall Kirkpatrick. Uh, Marshall does an amazing job in this. He's been doing it for a couple of years, brings on incredible guests from across the spectrum, you know, influencers and thought leaders, uh, particularly in the area of digital transformation and in social. And I've seen him do some just exhilarating interviews with people. And then, you know, he also had me on. So uh, <laughs> but we had a great time. Uh, Marshall and I uh, sort of threw the ball back and forth for a bunch of uh, uh, a bunch of passes. And uh, we're going to break this into two parts because it was a bit of a long one. So here's part one. And enjoy this special edition of the CXM Experience. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Sprinkler Coffee Club. Thanks so much for joining us. We're really excited to have another conversation about customer experience, digital transformation, modern channels of communication, and so much more. I'm Marshall Kirkpatrick, your host here at the Sprinkler Coffee Club, and I have with me today a very special guest, one of the smartest, most knowledgeable, most dynamic people I've ever had the benefit of working with, Mr. Grad Khan, Chief Experience Officer here at Sprinkler. Grad, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Marshall. That's nice. That's uncalled for, but appreciated. Thank you. You bet. Have you got some coffee to drink here on the, do, the coffee club, Grad? A fine uh, uh, Keurig McCafe, McDonald's McCafe, which is actually ex- excellent coffee, um, but it's the uh, decaf. So I'm going decaf McDonald's McCafe, which many purists would potentially call not coffee, um, but I find it delicious. And then I have my, uh, I don't know if you can see this, but this is my special edition Starbucks Magic Kingdom coffee mug. So this is from Walt Disney World. And I got this on a trip with my daughter. And uh, it's a a wonderfully large 10-ounce mug that holds a bunch of uh, coffee of any kind, not just Starbucks coffee, which is also, by the way, excellent coffee as well, but not at hand today. That's fantastic. Well, Grad, you have brought such a wide range of different coffees from uh, the exotic to the uh, mundane. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, right to our attention uh, here on the show. Uh, that's that's fantastic. I, I am drinking a, a Trader Joe's special. Uh, oh. If you've had the uh, the big medium roast in the blue can, I went out and uh, bought uh, three cans of it uh, this week, which will uh, prevent me from having to leave my house and go to Trader Joe's for another three months. Wow. Okay. So, and uh, drinking out of uh, out of a mug from the Shins, uh, one of my favorite bands. It's interesting. The logo looks like the logo from the Sunday morning show on CBS. It does, doesn't it? CBS this morning. It's got that Sun logo. That's the same kind of feel to it. I love that. It's got a very mid-century modern feel to it. But anyway. I've always cool. enjoyed that as well. Speaking of of mid-century modern, is that what you've got going on on that T-shirt there? Uh, no, I'm just kind of that earlier. Part of, I'm kind of representing the Bronx Zoo today. 
Um, but the the this has got the sort of kind of classic Helvetica sort of lettering and the classic New York subway system sort of uh, look and feel. There's actually a great book on how the New York subway system uh, graphics were done and the entire system behind it. And it's very a revolutionary system at the time. They didn't go quite as far as they wanted to. The original designers had other things in mind in terms of branding the subway and creating the wayfinding and making it even easier. Uh, they didn't quite get it fully implemented, but it's in that book. And then there was a really great exhibit on the New York City subway system graphics and design at the Museum of Modern Art, um, probably about about a year and a half to two years ago that I saw. It was terrific. And um, it's a great example. Doshi also, just while we're on the topic, is an amazing movie called Helvetica. And the movie is about the, the founding of that font. And it's, uh, it's far more exciting than you might think. It's an excellent, excellent film. That's a good prompt to check it out. Well, I, I know that you are a man who appreciates craftsmanship and communication. And I'm excited to hear your thoughts on some of the subjects that, that we both have had on our minds lately. Uh, I have been reading your excellent blog, Copernican Shift, for as long as we've known each other. But there have been a, a few especially interesting posts that you have put up uh, recently that I, I think prompt and warrant some further discussion. And I appreciate this opportunity to, to dive into some of it with you. Uh, you ready? I'm always ready. That's the spirit. That's fantastic. Born ready. Awesome. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so here, you know, Grad at uh, the Sprinkler Coffee Club, which was your idea uh, in the first place. Thank you very much. Uh, we primarily uh, operate from a, an influencer relations kind of perspective. But uh, you may recall that uh, a few years ago, uh, you put me in charge of analyst relations here at Sprinkler as well. And the combination... What an excellent job. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a real good combination. But I, I want to try something different and new today, bringing those two areas of responsibility together and see what kind of magic we can create by asking you, uh, such a, an inspiring thought leader on these kinds of topics, to reflect on some of the things that we are reading from the world's leading research analyst firms regarding the topics that are so important to our customers and, uh, and see how they play out in your experience. See if you've got a different perspective, see if uh, you can uh, extend on or, or critique the, uh, the analyst perspectives. And I, I wanna start with, the blog post that you put up recently advocating for this, that digital transformation be led by the CMO. You wrote a, a real good blog post making that case, and it is an unorthodox way of going about digital transformation. Uh, I, I think, at least according to Forrester Research, they found back in 2019 that only 16% of CMOs are currently responsible for digital transformation. So why is it uh, that you think that should change? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and I actually have, I think, a reasonably thoughtful answer. This really focuses on who's in charge of the customer. And when you're making digital transformation happen, are you making it happen around 
processes? Are you making it happen around systems? Are you making it happen around the customer, right? So uh, let's, let's kind of cover that and sort of pull that apart a little bit and see if it makes sense. I think that the Forrester stuff, I think is, I'm, I don't think, I know is accurate. I'm, I know that number's accurate. It's also a few years ago though. And so if you think about, you know, the article that you're referring to, it's on my, it's the most recent piece on my post, my blog. Uh, and the, um, and it's basically um, the intro. It's a slightly revised version of the intro I've written to the upcoming Forbes top 50 most influential CMO study. Uh, so that's, and there's a, some other stuff, obviously, that's in there that refers to the study itself, which I took out of the post I put on the blog. But the, uh, but the essence of the, of the intro that I write uh, in the study is, is what I put up. And uh, I do think the world's changed pretty significantly, not just the last six months, uh, which honestly, I'm getting really tired of people telling me about. And by the way, just as a, if you're listening out there, SDR is trying to sell me something. Um, could you please not ask me how my family's doing in these challenging times? And first of all, I'm not going to tell you how we're doing. We're doing fine, but I'm not going to tell you that. And number two, don't tell me that these are challenging times. I don't want to hear it. Everybody knows, <laughs> except for maybe there's probably someone who doesn't know, but most people know. I mean, don't, don't, don't keep rehashing stuff that's old. It's tiring and makes me feel frustrated. Uh, anyway, coming back to this. Um, I do think that what's happened is that over the last couple of years, uh, digital transformation has moved from something that was really about becoming more digital. I'm going to give you an actual example in a second from my days at Microsoft to actually thinking about how to deliver experiences that cause customers to become more loyal, to buy more, or to become customers in the first place. And so going back not very many years, 2007, 2008, um, I was at Microsoft and I had been in Microsoft research Actually, this is actually even later than that. So I started Microsoft Research in 2006. And in Microsoft Research, we were extremely digital, right? Some Eric Horvitz has a robot, has his assistant, like literally an actual physical robot answers questions and tells you what his schedule is and stuff. And that's been going on for years. Uh, you know, we were using Communicator, which was the, you know, the preceder to Skype for Business, which is now what Teams is. Um, and so we had, we and we were, very digital in Microsoft Research. And then I moved into the U.S. subsidiary in 2011. And they were still printing everything out on these large sheets of paper. And I had literally not used a piece of paper in so many years. And I had not had a phone on my desk. I just, I've been using my computer as my phone for years at this point. I didn't even know how to like, I didn't know what to do with the paper. Like it just started piling up on my desk because I didn't know how to, I'd forgotten how to file and I'd forgotten what to do. It, just, it was just like this alien invasion of like this virus that sort of started spreading over everything. And so that's 2011, it's like yesterday. And so 2012, 13, somewhere in that zone, Steve Ballmer's like, we're going to go digital. We're going to digitally transform the company. And at that time, what he meant was we're going to stop using paper. And so our, our budget sessions and our mid-year reviews and the, and the strategy sessions and all the things that there's a, there's a very strong rhythm at Microsoft that we would go through it became paperless. And we would you know, use our phones or we would use our computers to access it. And, and then there was a fairly steep learning curve. And also many of the products at Microsoft were 
adapting quickly. Like OneNote had started to become very, very, very useful product, but was still working. And the Surface touchscreens were just coming in. Like there's a bunch of stuff all happening at the same time. There's a lot of innovation. It was very messy and very exciting and very fun. Uh, and I remember uh, my boss, Allison Watson, who is genius and an amazing manager and one of the greatest people I've ever worked for. She had been very comfortable in the paper world. But what's great about Allison is that she could get behind anything and she's like, all right. And like, it was either overnight or over a week. We went from paper to no paper and just off we went. And then Allison got one of the very, very large surface hubs in her office. There are these, I think, hundred there's a hundred or 120 inch one and there's a Canadian inch one and she had the, like the really big one and uh, and you could stand in front of it and you could draw on it and you could do back and forth communications and all sorts of stuff it was it's pretty incredible device but she was like one of the very first people with one of those and she just dove headfirst right in and that's what digital transformation meant low these five or six years ago so that Forrester study 2016 that just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the CIO was probably driving a lot of the digital transformation because many companies are still very much paper-based. And even up until a few months ago, many companies still required wet signatures, which is, you know, a signature of on ink on paper. And now suddenly everyone has discovered, you know, uh, the, the Adobe product, I think is like the dominant player now. I think Microsoft has in, endorsed the Adobe product and there's, there are other players out there as well. But the, but you know, everyone's got digital signing as kind of part of what they do. And so digital signing was part of what it meant to be digitally transformed, right? So that, that's why I think that Forrester stat's accurate, but it also is a reflection of the time. Well, I'm trying to write in maybe a slightly more, I, I'm, I'll, I'll admit that I might be a couple of years ahead or maybe a year ahead. I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable saying that. I don't think I'm five years ahead on this. Um, but what's happened now is that we're kind of really not talking about whether it's a good idea to use computers or not anymore. I think we're mostly through that stage. Okay. I think that what we're talking about is our customers will buy from us online their propensity to buy or desire to buy will be driven by the experience of the buying journey. Um, we need to compete based on that. And there are many good and bad versions of that out there. And so what digital transformation now means is how do we as a company make sure that we're delivering an experience to the customer that makes them want to stay a customer or be a customer or you know, be a more valuable customer. Uh, if you think about how Amazon works, like Amazon's doing two things sort of shockingly well, right? One is they've got this very, very powerful engine to deliver recommendations or deliver the desire you have. And I don't know how many of us have said, oh, purple scissors, and then type it into Amazon. They deliver purple scissors so quickly and they deliver the perfect purple scissor fast enough that you just go boom 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 you've ordered it and you're like what happened i just i just okay oh, I, I just ordered that and then boom it's there the next day and that's the second thing they're doing well which is amazon for in most respects is really a logistics company and they're amazing at logistics because there's also something about i order the purple scissor i want the purple scissor I go to buy the purple scissor and it says it'll be delivered in two weeks. Do I really need purple scissors? 
maybe I'll just go to the store. Maybe. And then you move on. But if it's going to be delivered like today, you know, or tomorrow, it's like, that's probably faster than I could get to the store. And that keeps creating that connection. And so as companies think about becoming amazing at logistics and amazing at selection, um, there's a lot of work to be done there. And so the digital transformation that has to occur is around the customer. Okay, so who knows the customer best? You know, who tends to own that customer relationship? Well, in almost every company, that's the CMO. So it feels not super crazy to me that the CMO is going to be someone who's going to be taking on that mantle of digital leadership and helping drive it against a better customer experience, but also what company systems need to support it. And we've had our own experience at Sprinkler. Like I came on board at Sprinkler. We weren't using Sprinkler. Right? Now, there's a whole bunch of issues when that happens. One is we don't get the benefits of an amazing product, which we get for free. Right? So that would be, be a big one. Number two, it's super hard to tell the story of your product when you don't use it. That's just harder. Number three, your product's not going to be as good as it could be if you're banging on your own product every day. I saw this at Microsoft. There's no question that OneNote got a lot better when the whole company started using OneNote for doing budget presentations. These are like high stakes presentations to Bill and Steve and like OneNote had to work and it had to work well. And if it didn't work well, the OneNote team heard about it. And they heard about it with, you know, an angry, red-faced, fist-shaking Microsofty standing in their door, shaking from an experience they just had. And that, that had impact, right? So, so those things for me, you know, you have to, so when I came in as CMO, I was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. We're not using our own product. And so we rapidly shut down everything else, moved on to Sprinkler. Immediately, everything got better. Our, when our care team moved on, they immediately saw shocking improvements in their numbers and their indices. You know, we were all suddenly in the same system. It was great. Um, we suddenly had much better asset management. You know, we could suddenly do social marketing. Everything got better that way. There's no question. We got a lot smarter about the product, so we could talk about it in better ways. And there's no question the product got better because I know we submitted hundreds and hundreds of tickets. And, and we had an inside track on getting those things fixed. And now we're well on our way to having a full top to bottom, end to end marketing product that could be the only thing you use in marketing. Uh, that wouldn't have happened if we weren't using it. And so that's, that's an example of digital transformation. Other people in the company could have done it, but it happened to happen at the CMO level because you know I own the customer relationship and the customer relationship was driving a need and desire to have that. And that's exactly what Forrester recommends to CMOs that aspire to, to drive digital transformation is first, to transform your own marketing. And second, to drive customer obsession throughout the entire enterprise. All right. So that's the end of part one with my interview with Marshall Kirkpatrick on the Sprinkler Coffee Club. Uh, we're going to be airing part two next time, so stay tuned for that. And I am Grad Khan for the CXM Experience, and see you soon. Mm -hmm.